0: Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. If I were to ask you what are your favorite passages of Scripture, I'm sure that somebody might mention the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Others might mention John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Others might mention Romans 8, nothing in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are great passages in Scripture. But I'll bet very few people would pick a passage from Ezra or Nehemiah as some of your favorite passages in the Bible. And yet we're in the middle of this sermon series called Back to Our Future. And I'll tell you, some of the most important passages in the Bible are hidden here in Ezra and Nehemiah. And as we go through these passages, we are learning tremendous spiritual truths about what it means to build a faith community on trust in God. These words in Ezra and in Nehemiah that we'll be getting to in a few weeks are pure gold. Listen with me for the word of God as I read from Ezra chapter four, verses one to five and 23 to 24. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that they returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the families and said to them, let us build with you For we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of King Esarhaddon of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the heads of the families in Israel said to them, You shall have no part with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus of Persia has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. And they bribed officials to frustrate their plan throughout the reign of King Cyrus of Persia and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. Then when the copy of King Artaxas' letter was read before Rechem and the scribe Shimce and their associates, they hurried to the Jews in Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease, meaning made the building stop. At that time, the work on the house of the Lord in Jerusalem stopped and was discontinued until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that you'd pour through me the gift of preaching. For this is not an easy word to hear. Sometimes we'd like a smooth life with no adversity and no obstacles, but you've been teaching us in your word that it's actually through obstacles and sometimes through adversity that we learn to trust you. So pour through me your gift of preaching that every person who hears this message on the streaming video or in person or on a later recording might not only hear it, but heed it so that our lives may never be the same again. To that end, bless and anoint this message, and we know you will, for we pray with anticipation in the strong name of Jesus, the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. Well, it was Oscar Wilde, the great 19th century Irish poet and playwright, who had such a way with words. Oscar Wilde could really turn a phrase in such a way that people would get an important and poignant lesson from it. One of my favorite sayings of Oscar Wilde is this. Wilde said, there are two great tragedies in life. The first is not getting what you want, but the second is getting it. Because when you get the thing you think you want, you realize it can't ultimately fulfill you. And when you get the thing you think you want, you realize it may create more challenges and more problems for you than you ever imagined. In fact, when you get the thing you think you want, things may get worse instead of better. Have you ever experienced this in your life? What about having a child? We want to have a child, we want a baby, we want a child, it's going to be so wonderful. But then the baby is born, <laughs> and parents become sleep-deprived for a year. I mean, we don't sleep for a year, or sometimes two or three years, and then we have another child and we're more sleep-deprived. And then one or two of the children become teenagers, and of course, they know everything in that, those years, and they think the parents know nothing in those years, so that's a challenging time. This is really why uh, my friend Tony Campolo, a great Baptist preacher, says grandchildren are the reward God gives you for not killing your children when they're in the teenage years so sometimes you get the thing that you think you want but it doesn't ultimately fulfill you actually things get worse before they get better sometimes children create problems for us and our dream job creates problems for us Many of us in our lifetime have gotten a dream job. We work for it, we plan for it, we get ready for it, we prepare for it, and then we get the dream job. But sometimes getting the job is more challenging than we could ever imagine. Sometimes you get the dream job and things actually get worse before they get better. And experienced this. Anne is a young woman in our congregation in New York City that I pastored for many years. And Anne's dream was to dance and to sing and to act on Broadway. And she devoted her life to it. She got ready for it. And she was the best dancer and the best singer in her state. She won competitions. But then she got to New York City. And, of course, the, everything got narrower and narrower and narrower with the pe- people that were chosen for the Broadway productions. And Anne tried out for many Broadway productions and didn't make it. But one day, she called me. Tom, I can still almost hear her voice in my mind. Tom, I did it, I made it. I got a lead in the show Chicago. And Anne was in Chicago and she was in the real cast, not just a backup, she was in the real cast. But then, Things got worse instead of better. It was her dream job. But now she has eight performances every week. She's got five rehearsals every week. She's got to come several hours early and stay late. She's got production meetings and other meetings with the stage hands. And her, suddenly her life, it's her dream job, but suddenly she doesn't have a life she didn't have time to do her laundry or shop for food or cook her food or she didn't have time for friendships she didn't have time for the guy she was dating so she broke up with the, her boyfriend she didn't have time for the church she didn't have time for her family she didn't have a life because she got her dream job things got much worse before they got better for Anne. has that ever happened to you with a dream job Or what about wanting a surgery? You know, because of COVID, surgery's been postponed. I know people who've needed a hip replacement or a knee replacement, but had to postpone it because the hospitals have been filled with COVID. But then they get the knee replacement or the hip replacement, they're so delighted. But if you've ever had a knee replaced or a hip replaced, things can get worse before they get better. You've got the brand new knee, but now things are worse before they get better. You gotta exercise that knee and it's a big adjustment. Well, see this is what happened to the people of israel they got what they thought they wanted they'd been in captivity in babylon for 70 years in 587 bc king The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, conquered Jerusalem, sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, destroyed the walls of the city, and took the elite, the most aristocratic people, the best educated, in captivity in Babylon, and left the poor people and left the ruins of Jerusalem. But now these people of Israel are in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, and they dreamed of the day, and they prayed for the day, and they worked for the day that someday they'd go back home. Then something happened they never would have dreamed. Cyrus of Persia conquered the Babylonians and defeated them just like the Babylonians had defeated the Israelites. And now Cyrus of Persia is king. And he looked at the people of Israel, thought they were an industrious people. He was impressed by their faith. And so he said, All the Israelites may go back home to Jerusalem you may rebuild your city you may rebuild your temple you may rebuild your walls he issued an edict and when Cyrus issued that edict for the people of Israel I'm telling you the joy in Babylon among that community of Israelites of those Jews was palpable they absolutely loved it this was their dream come true they got what they wanted But it's interesting in chapter 4 of Ezra, we realize after they got what they wanted, they were able to go back home and start the building. All of a sudden in chapter 4 of Ezra, the building stops and suddenly things got worse before they got better. They got the thing they dreamed about and prayed about, but suddenly things stopped and got worse before they got better. At first glance though, the people got a good deal. The people of the surrounding area said to the Jews Zerubbabel and others who were in charge hey we want to help you build and at first glance that seems good to us but Zerubbabel then heard them say we worship the same God you worship we're from Assyria and we worship the same God you worship and Zerubbabel realized that they didn't worship the same God They were polytheistic, not monotheistic. They worshiped many gods. They worshiped Yahweh a little bit, but they worshiped the Baals and other gods. And Zerubbabel smelled a rat. He realized this wasn't a good thing for them to let them build. Now, it seems exclusive to us. Why why wouldn't he let them build with them? But Zerubbabel realized that one of the reasons they were taken into captivity in the first place is they stopped trusting God. And when you stop trusting God, sometimes God lets us reap the consequences of our disobedience. So they were taken into captivity in in Babylon and Zerubbabel knew if he let these people who worship many gods infiltrate their ranks, he realized that many of the people of Israel might stop worshiping Yahweh God exclusively and they might become polytheistic and he wanted no part of it. So he was very wise to say no. It seems exclusive to us But it's really what not only Cyrus of Persia told them to only have the Israelites building but he believed it's what God said so he stood firm to it but the people of the surrounding area who offered their help were angry they paid bribes to stop the building they did everything they could to thwart that building they didn't want the people to build the temple or the wall or rebuild their city they didn't want it anymore they were mad And they write a letter to a successor of Cyrus of Persia, Artaxeros, and they told him, those people who were rebuilding this wall and rebuilding this temple, they are rebellious, they are seditious, they are no good, they don't pay their taxes, and it's gonna cost you so much money if you let them keep building this wall. Have that building stop. And our tax taxpayers, as we hear the reading of this letter at the end of the scripture today, he said the building must stop, and the people came back and they said by force, you must stop building. Now here's my question. <laughs> After all this, when they were in captivity in Babylon <laughs> for 70 years, God leads them out of captivity in Babylon back to Israel. They're joyful. They're excited about it. Here's my question. Why would God then allow obstacles to emerge? In other words, why would God put people who were trying to thwart the building, and why would God put people in there who wanted to stop it and didn't want them to succeed? Why would God do that? Is God in control? Have you ever asked that question? Where is God Why didn't God allow this to happen? Why did God allow that to happen? Have you ever wondered where is God? It doesn't seem to make any sense. But ah, my friends in San Marino Community Church, maybe God knows more than we know. Maybe God knows it's only amid adversity that we grow in our faith. In fact, maybe God is not as interested in building a temple or building a wall or rebuilding a city as God is in building a people. And maybe God knows that the kind of people he wants to build his, his life into are the people who would trust him and have faith in him. And sometimes when things are really smooth and things go our way, we don't put our trust ultimately in God. And if we look at the sweep of biblical history, God has always been trying to build a people who trust him. That's why that God allows adversity. Now, I'm not saying God causes everything to happen that happens. But i am saying that there is nothing no matter how bad it is that can separate us from god's love but there's nothing that god could ever have happen that wouldn't couldn't be used for good if you'll allow god into it god can take resurrection and bring it out of crucifixion god can take something that seems very evil and bring something very good out of it so god's ability to bring good out of evil is unlimited So all through the biblical history, you see God's trying to build a people who put their trust in God. After the exodus from Egypt, the people were wandering in the wilderness and they wandered there for 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years to get across that strip of land? It wouldn't have taken them very long at all but they had to learn spiritual lessons. God was trying to teach them to put their trust in him. So remember he gave them manna every day and they learned every day to trust in God for the manna, except the day before the Sabbath, God gave them two portions so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath day. God was trying to teach the people trust, but it took them 40 years because they were stubborn. Anybody here stubborn? And they don't wanna learn the lessons God's trying to teach us. And so it took them 40 years to get across the wilderness. After they finally enter the promised land, after 40 years, God's trying to teach them put your trust in me. Do not trust in alliances with other nations or military weapons or all these tangible things. Put your trust in me. But actually, although the people of Israel worship Yahweh, they also worshiped other gods, which is what Zerubbabel was afraid of when he said, let's not have these other people building the wall with us. And so God allowed them to reap the consequences of their disobedience. They are in captive now in Babylon. And then God's still trying to teach some spiritual lessons them, because God wants to teach people trust. And God's always trying to teach people trust and build a community of faith. I wonder, San Marino Community Church, whether God's trying to teach us lessons of trust too. I believe that the same God who was trying to build a community out of the people in the wilderness, out of the people in the promised land, and out of the people in captivity who go back to Jerusalem after the Babylon captivity, I think that God is trying to teach us, you and me here today and watching on the Zoom, trying to teach us to put our trust in God. But here's what's interesting, and we don't like this. The building materials God uses to build the kind of faith and trust God wants to build in us is adversity and obstacles, and we don't want to hear this. Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote a brilliant book some years ago that I treasure. It's a book called Leadership in Tumultuous Times. And in that book, Doris Kearns Goodwin tells these gripping stories about Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Lyndon Baines Johnson. And she says in this book that the tumultuous times in which they lived and the challenges they faced of war and and economic uncertainty and racial injustice, all these tumultuous times they were living in actually called forth gifts in them that they didn't know they had. In the book, she quotes Abigail Adams, the wife of John Adams and the mother of John Quincy Adams, in a letter to her son, John Quincy Adams, when she said, great necessities, my son, call forth great virtues. In other words, sometimes, I believe God allows the tumultuous times to teach us things that we couldn't learn in any other way. And just as God used the the obstacles and adversity in the life of Johnson and these other presidents and Lincoln, And in Zerubbabel, I think God is using adversity in our lives, too, to teach us some spiritual lessons that if only we're open to learning them. See, I think that the COVID, thats this terrible COVID virus, this pandemic that's racking our nation and our world, is actually allowed by God to teach us a spiritual lesson. Now, hear me again. I don't think God causes COVID. I'm not saying God causes that. But God's ability to teach us lessons during it is unlimited. I think God's trying to teach us that life is a precious and a fragile gift. People are well one day, they get sick the next day, and a week later they're deceased. God is trying to teach us, I think, life is a precious and a fragile gift. Instead of being so divided as a nation and as a world and labeling people and hating people and and, not loving people, why can't we lay down our weapons and our anger and our hate and start loving people and being reconciled to people? I think God is trying to teach us that life is a very precious and a fragile gift. Keep our relationships in good order. I think God's trying to teach us what's urgent and what's important. And some things that we think are really important, really they're urgent. But the things that are truly important are faith and prayer and loving people and caring. God's trying to teach us what's really ultimately important in life. And then the staff transitions that happened at San Marino, I think God's trying to teach us amid all this change and being separated from one another and and staff coming and going and all these changes that have happened and now having to worship on Zoom and being in our homes and all these changes. I think God's trying to teach us to put our trust in him not to put our trust in any person or any leader. Some years ago, when I was called away from New Providence, New Jersey, I had loved New Providence, New Jersey, and Suzanne and I raised our young family there. We were there for 10 glorious years, it was wonderful, and I actually got to know the mayor of the city and many of the leaders in the city, and it was a wonderful little town in New Jersey, New Providence, New Jersey, near Summit, and Morristown and Plainfield. It was a wonderful place to raise a family. But after 10 years, I got a call to a church in Houston, Texas, and I saw the mayor, who'd become a friend of mine, I was walking down the street one day, he said hey dr tool i hear that your church is going to be under new management i said what are you talking about he said well i've heard you're moving to texas i said well hey i am moving to texas but i'm in sales not management i said the management of our church was is and always will be Jesus Christ I'm not in management the, the, the Lord of our church always is Jesus Christ mean, He was that he is that he always will be that and the mayor said okay okay I didn't want a sermon I was just making conversation with you but see the point of all that is that every now and then God has to rearrange the sales force so we don't get too dependent and think that a Jeff O'Grady is in the management. Jeff is in sales, not management. And so is Jan Cook and Becca Bateman. They're all salespeople. And every now and then, God rearranges the sales force to teach us to trust in him. Now, in Jessica Von Lower's sermons recently, I think she's been so refreshingly honest. And I, I felt her sermon last Sunday, for me, was one of the best she's preached. And one of the great things that she said in that sermon was that, that there's a wailing wall outside. And she was urging people to go to the Wailing Wall and to lament the losses of COVID and the staff transition and all the changes happened. And she was even honest enough to say that that some people, a small percentage, 10%, that she that write to her say, I don't feel like this is my church anymore. And Jessica was wise enough not only to name that and get it out in the open. But to give us something to do about it—to go to the Wailing Wall and lament the losses of COVID and the staff transition and lament all the change. Now, I, I know something about Wailing Walls. Maybe others have been to Israel, and if you have, I hope you've been to the Wailing Wall. But I've actually been to the Wailing Wall in, in Jerusalem twelve times. This wall that was rebuilt and. And I've been there and you, you take prayer, you make a prayer and you write the little prayer on, in, on a piece of paper and you stick it into the wall. And I've actually done that and I, I've been there. And frankly, to be honest with you, at one of the lowest points in my life, I wrote a prayer to God and I put it in that wall and God answered my prayer god is in the reclaiming and salvaging business <laughs> god's ability to answer prayers and and being hope and love and new beginnings out of adversity is greater than we could ever imagine so i'd urge you to go to this wailing wall and and i'm going to do it today after these services i'm going to go and write a little prayer on the wall and i'm going to put it in there and and I, I want you to do that same thing i believe something magnificent could happen and when i make my prayer as i did at the wailing wall. I'm only gonna pray for some needs in my life and our family's life and some things that I'm lamenting, but I'm actually gonna give a prayer of thanks for Jeff O'Grady and for Jan Cook and for Becca Bateman and for the joy I've had and we've had as a church to know them and it's a loss to lose them. But I'm also gonna write a prayer of thanks for the San Marino Community Church and for the new sales force Jessica Von Lower, all these new people God has brought to us who are bringing flexibility and joy and energy and excitement and who are passing on the faith to the next generation as Jeff and Jan and Becca passed it on to the last generation. I'm going to give a prayer of thanks for that. And I'm also going to give a prayer of thanks that San Marino Community Church is a place where we can experience the presence of God. And I worry that people need the presence of God and they're not getting it. And I worry that people in our nation are just not, they're not going to church anymore. And I worry that that people are saying the church is irrelevant. Well, this is a church that's not irrelevant. This is a church where people can experience the presence of the living God. Frederick Buechner, one of the great authors of the 20th century, he recently said, I don't go to church anymore. And the reporter said, why not, Frederick, why don't you go? You've been a pastor, you're an ordained pastor. Why don't you go to church anymore? He said, because the church doesn't give me what I need right now. And they said, what is it that you need right now? He said, well, the church doesn't give me what I long for. They said, what do you long for? He said, it's the presence of God. I long for, but I'm not getting it in the church. I thank God to be part of a church where people can experience the presence of God. And I talk to long term members every Sunday. And new members every Sunday and visitors every Sunday who are experiencing the presence of God through this glorious music of Peter in the choir and through the preaching and through the leadership and through the, the everything that's happening here the phenomenal fellowship I thank God for that I'm gonna write that in my little note that I thank God to be part of a church where people can experience the presence of God in these tumultuous times and I just close with this thought there was a time when there was a lot of adversity amid COVID and COVID was at its height it was 2021 Jeff had left and the church was getting used to Jessica coming in as a new pastor and we were recording services at nine o'clock and six o'clock on Fridays and I rushed over from Claremont to get here in time to record a service and the people in the sound booth were all a, a, a twit trying to figure out how to do everything, and Jonas and Andrew and all these new, new people were kind of coming in and getting everything right with the technology, and, and there was a lot of consternation about could we get everything done this day? It was not easy to do it all, and I was the preacher that day, and I, I was worried about it. Got my sermon ready on Friday and raced over from Claremont, and I was a little bit out of sorts coming in, and I came in, and, and then all the technicians were trying to figure out how to do the recording, and Jessica von Lohr just walked into the place and she smiled and had humor. And how's everything going? <laughs> well, we said it's not going very well. We don't know everything we to do. And what do we have to do? And when do we do this and that? And the technology wasn't working exactly right. And, and this is what Jessica said. She said, you know, I don't know how to solve that problem with technology. But I do know the one who does and can solve all our problems. So could we just stop for a minute and could we pray? Now, we didn't have time to pray. We were so busy getting, trying to get everything done. But, but we stopped and we realized that we were too busy not to pray. So we got in a circle and, and she prayed. And when she prayed, everything whew, calmed down. We experienced the presence of the living God she poured her affection for these technicians into the prayer she poured her care for the musicians into the prayer she poured her respect for me as the preacher into the prayer and everything quieted down and we experienced god's presence and when she said amen there was like this joy and everybody was kidding hey somebody had an idea and somebody stepped up and somebody else stepped up and somebody else stepped up and before we knew we had the technical problem solved and I felt better about my sermon and felt better about leading worship that day and and I said to Jessica before I left the fellowship hall that day I said you know you know why God brought you here to succeed Jeff O'Grady you know why she said no honestly I'm not sure why I said I do I know why I saw it this morning you were brought here to put all of us in touch with the presence of God. You were brought here, Jessica Von Lauer, to help us to trust in God. And just like the last generation learned to trust God with Jeff O'Grady and those wonderful pastors, now God's gonna help a new generation to trust God through your leadership. You were brought here to help us Trust God. And that's the lesson God's been trying to teach us for oh so many years. May we learn it now. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.